the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Julissa Bermudez is a Dominican-American actress, veteran TV host, and beauty and style influencer. She is best known for hosting some of TV's biggest pop culture shows. As the first Latina to co-host BET's Life Countdown show 106 and Park, Julissa went from BET to MTV, hosting some of the network's most popular shows, including The Hills Finale, Jersey Shore After Hours, and other related Jersey Shore specials. She also co-starred alongside BFF recording artist and daytime talk show host Adrian Balon in their own reality series, Empire Girls. This past summer, she played the role of Maria on Amazon Prime's Al Pacino-led show, Hunters. Currently, Jalisa can be seen on Central Ave, a new daily entertainment news show produced by Will Packer. Making her digital mark, she's currently one of the most sought-out-after beauty influencers, most recently being the face of the blend-in standout campaign for Makeup Forever, celebrating diversity in beauty, and the relaunch of Origins top-selling moisturizer. Make no mistake, Jalisa Bermudez is in it to win it. Welcome, Julissa, host extraordinaire, actress, and TV personality. How are you? I am good, ladies. What's going on, my boss babes? <laughs> <laughs> I love your I love your personality. I've been watching you, and we've been watching you for so many years. So we just want to know, like, how has the pandemic life been treating you lately? You're currently in Atlanta. Are you bunkered down? What have you been up to? Thank you. Um, well... The beginning, if we rewind to the, I guess, beginning stages of quarantine, March, I was ready to go on this Mexican vacation that I had booked with my good friend and her and I, literally, I told her, welcome to my world as a Libra, because she was like, I've never been so undecided in my life. We literally canceled and rebooked the trip. Well, we had booked it so much in advance, but it was right in that beginning time where borders were starting to close. Things were starting to get real crazy about traveling. So we literally were back and forth every hour. We're like, no, we're not going to go. No, we should go. We should just go. It's We got to live our best life. Like, really? You only get one life. And then we were like, no, 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 we can't go. Because then if we get stuck out there. So it was back and forth. Obviously, we decided we we're not going to go. So that was kind of a bummer. And then I just realized, wow, I am as single and on my own as can be. So I live in LA and I was quarantined in LA um, from March all the way up until I ended up moving to Atlanta in September because um, I'm hosting a show called Central Ave and we're based in Atlanta. Will Packer's our producer and he does the majority of his um, projects out of Atlanta. So leading up to actually coming out here and spending all that alone time in LA, honestly, I went through a roller coaster of things. In the beginning, I was hitting the content super hard because I had all this time and I didn't realize, wow, like maybe just literally sitting down and taking the time to just do all the things that you didn't get to do before so that was my first stage of the pandemic and quarantine. And then I burnt myself out. I literally just did the most 
and then I got burnt out. And then I was like, I'm just going to take a trip to at least visit my family. Um, and then I didn't. And then I finally did take a trip, um, actually here in Atlanta, because I have cousins here. And it was only for a weekend. It was one of my cousin's 30th birthdays. And I didn't realize how much I would miss my family. I didn't realize just how much and how important it is to actually have that human interaction, because I don't even have a pet. Like, I don't have a dog. I don't have a cat. I don't have anything. I don't have a bird, a fish, you name it. I don't have it. So I was like for real on my own and all my family is in Dominican Republic and in New York. And I have a couple cousins here in Atlanta. So it was just literally a lot of um, moments where you're reflecting, you're figuring out what is life. And then thank God, I really feel so blessed that um, I can continue to work via social media and then I just channeled their, all of my energy with the projects that I had to complete as a social media influencer. No, I feel your pain, Julita. I don't even have anything either. I'm like, I don't have a pet. I don't have a man. I don't have nothing. <laughs> so you but, get it. But what have been some of the key lessons? I feel like all of us during the pandemic have like reflected on things, learned new things, appreciate new things. What have been some of the learning lessons during this very odd time for us? I think the biggest learning lesson for me is how to pivot, how to really adjust to things that are unpredictable, things that get thrown your way. And what have you been doing? You know, really the only reason, and that's why I say it's a blessing. The only reason why I am still able to work during this time is because I just been as consistent as I could be as possible. I literally moments when you think that no one is watching moments when you think that who cares about this makeup tutorial or this, you know, hair tutorial or anything who cares. And what I found is actually more people care than you realize. And, and you got to just continue doing whatever it is that fuels your passion because it was very telling. I literally hit the ground running when it came to this content that I've always wanted, like I already do, but I always wanted to do more of and never thought that I had the time until I was forced to sit down and really reflect and really put the time in for the passion projects. You know, you're like a hamster on a wheel. You're just going, going, going through the motions and you think that you're being busy just because you're moving and shaking. But sometimes just being still and really planning out what you want out of whatever is happening in your life and, the, and a pandemic will make you do that. So for me, it was really figuring out how can I pivot during these times? Like, what is it about me, my brand, what I'm passionate about that can get me through something that is as unpredictable as a global pandemic? And for me, it was the level of consistency and what I've been doing and putting in the work. And that's what really I discovered, you know, how to continue to work and and fuel my passion during this time. Yeah, who would ever thought we would be living through a global pandemic of this sort? I mean, I was just in Puerto Rico, um, bringing in the new year 2020, new decade. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm gonna turn 40, life is good. And then we're all hit with this. So reinvention and 
just knowing how to pivot is so, so important. Um, Alex and I had to learn how to pivot as well with our podcast because usually we would meet in person um, just because vibes are different, you know. When yeah, for sure. Person. And um, we had a sound engineer who's like doing all these things amazing. The amaz- the sound was pristine. And then we got into COVID and we're like, um, we're going to have to be our own editor, our own sound en- engineer. And we're going to have to take the L on having this perfect sound, you know. Because at the end of the day, if it's good content, people it's good content. So absolutely. And I also have- <clears throat> sorry, I have a frog in my throat. I also think that people are really, <laughs> really, truly appreciate the efforts, even if absolutely. if it doesn't sound as great and doesn't look as great just during quarantine, because everybody knows how hard it's been to just produce content in general, right? So I think that our listeners are just really, really, really grateful that we're continuing to put out episodes week after week. And that that is something that fuels our passion, just like what you were saying. And also your content, Julissa, is very aspirational, is very entertaining, and people are going through it during the pandemic. So I think people are, are really appreciate that, you know, you're still going, you know. Thank you. I was fascinated with how many people were responding to my Instagram stories, and especially Uh, I had women saying, oh, my gosh, I am going through this pandemic and quarantine by myself. And I know that you are and all the things that you're putting up, like, it's just motivating me. I took my nails off like I had because I couldn't get a manicure. And I did a whole story on how to remove, you know, something as simple as a gel manicure. Like the amount of people that wrote to me about that, like, thank you so much for just like giving us the tips and taking our minds off of the tragedy that's going on in the world and just giving us something different to look at. I'm not saying that, you know, it should be all about vanity, but I literally was so, I mean, think about it in the beginning, especially it was all about the global pandemic that we were, that we're still experiencing. And then on top of that, the Black Lives Matter movement, the protesting, and then on top of that, the fact that this is gonna be one of the most crucial election years of our lives, you know? So all of these things combined, I was, I literally sat on my couch for about two days straight and I wasn't watching anything on streaming. I was literally glued to the news and it burnt me out to no end on top of like, just my mind was so overwhelmed with everything, the imagery of it all, the statistics of everything. I mean, it was, I was inundated with just so much stuff that was, that will weigh you down. And if you don't have an outlet for that, it can really drive you crazy. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to disconnect. I'm going to do all this content that I've always wanted to do or just like stuff that I just genuinely want to do. I genuinely have my nails like hanging on by a thread over here. So I'm going to just take them off and I'm going to share with the world how I do it. I'm going to wash every single makeup brush that I have of mine. I'm going to share that with the world. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to show them how you do that. Like I literally was a one man band and I, and I still am in Atlanta for the show. I have to set up my lighting, my hair, makeup. I'm basically production talent, quote unquote talent, uh, hair and makeup artist, sometimes wardrobe. I mean, I do it all for the virtual interviews. Unless we have 
like once in a while I'll have one of our producers come over if it's a really big, big interview and we need, or if it's a certain time. So the natural light is not around or whatever it is, like he'll come and put a big production of lighting and all that stuff. But other than that, 90% of the time, uh, my co-host and I, we're individually working from our own spaces and we have to be our own team and do our virtual interviews until we go in the studio to shoot the show. And that's on Thursdays and we air on the weekends. So it's a lot, as you guys know, because you produce your your podcast and you mentioned like how you had to pivot to make it happen. Yeah. And, and, and Gabby and I actually, we both work with talent on our day-to-day nine to five jobs. And for me, I do a lot, I do production and it's, I am so amazed by our talent because like you said, they've had to be their own hair and makeup, their own, their own grip boy, their own best boy, their own camera. You guys are like becoming producers, but there's something very valuable about that because now you guys are like on the next level and you guys can really literally do absolutely anything but i really don't know how you guys even do it and learn your lines and everything you don't know what you can do until you have to do it exactly (laughs) exactly but what i think um is important about you julissa which i think i always wanted you to be on the podcast because you're like a girl's girl you're like one of us like i feel like you're so uh, people can relate to you 100%. You're a Latina, you're a go-getter, you come from a great family, and you have dreams, right? And you started in TV. What sparked that for you? What made you go and take that leap into television? And I mean, the first time I saw you was on the roof, which was like, woo, woo. <laughs> long time ago. Uh, yeah, long time ago. Um, thank you. That's so nice. I mean, you do these things and you never know, like I said, who's watching and you kind of just go through the motions and goals activate more goals and you kind of just get into this nonstop uh, spiral effect of, okay, it's a snowball. It starts building and building like I accomplished this. What else can I do? But for me, I think it really started um, because I have three older brothers and I don't have any sisters. So the girl's girl part of me is like, Whenever I meet a, another girl that I think is super cool, I'm like, um, okay, now we're going to be friends, whether you like it or not, <laughs> you know? So it, it was more a matter of that. And then even the TV stuff, it was literally because my brothers never let me hang out with them. They never thought I was cool enough. My mom was like, no, 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 no. Tu no puedes hacer eso. Tu, you know, tu eres una, una niña. Tu no puedes estar afuera at that whatever time that I wanted to hang out because I saw that my brothers could and I couldn't. You know, it was that kind of household. My parents have been married forever, 40 plus years, which is amazing. Um, So I grew up in a very traditional, I guess, Latino household with Dominican parents. I was born in Dominican Republic in Santo Domingo, moved to New York at two years old um, when my parents decided to go back to New York and um, grew up in Queens. And then we moved to Miami very briefly because my parents just wanted to change and it didn't work out because my mom doesn't drive. She's like a true New Yorker and has failed to get her license many, many times. So I think it was all about trying to really just be cool and impress my three older brothers. So I just had all this energy and I had to exhaust it in some way. So it was by way of performing and trying to put on shows. And then, you know, my mom also always let me be very free when it came to expressing myself, which I think is such a blessing and so important. 
Um, and then how it actually happened, I went to a sweet 16 of a cousin of mine that I didn't even know was my cousin. You know how that goes. Um, in the Latin household. <laughs> no, que vamos para el Bronx, para tu prima, ella va a cumplir años. So while I was in this birthday party that I had no idea was even my cousin, there was another cousin of mine and he was already doing some auditioning. He was getting small roles um, as an actor on different soap operas in New York. So my mom was like, oh, como tu quieres hacer eso, habla con tu primo. So I started talking to my cousin Jeronimo and he was like, oh, well, I have this, you know, viejita out of Long Island. She's a manager. She sends me on auditions. Um, you should check her out. So I did just that. Back in the day, I didn't, I didn't even send a proper headshot. I literally had one of them one-time use wind-up cameras that you had to physically go, like a Fiji Kodak camera that you had to go and physically get your pictures at a Walgreens. So that's what I did. And I sent her two, three pictures that I took and I didn't hear anything. And then she calls me like three weeks later saying that she's going to be having auditions in the city. So I, you know, go into the city, I end up auditioning and she's like, okay, I'll call you. Then I didn't hear anything again. And then she calls me out of nowhere and it was for a Wendy's commercial. And it was the first thing that I've had ever auditioned for. I booked the job, I get a commercial and that's how I end up getting my SAG card because it played so much. And I actually had a line in the commercial and that's considered a principal. So that's how you end up, the more uh, principal work, um, I, they've changed the rules now. I think if you do background work for a certain amount of hours and projects, you end up becoming Screen Actors Guild SAG um, eligible. And that's what you wanted because you want to be part of the union. That's how you get protected as an actor, as a um, person on TV. So I'm learning all these things. I didn't know anything. So then I booked this commercial and I certainly didn't know how much money you can make in commercials. So I was like, what? I, at one point I think I was making more money than my parents in residuals just off this one commercial. So this woman, you know, out of Long Island, Donna Malo, that Malo management started just sending me out on a bunch of different auditions. And one of them was The Roof which was the first show that I ever booked. And it was really funny because my mom didn't want me to go out of state for college, but the show, The Roof, after I auditioned and I actually booked the job, it was gonna be shooting in Miami. So as you can imagine, I was all bummed because I'm like, dang, I booked this job. It seems like an amazing opportunity, but how am I gonna tell my parents that it shoots in Miami? So I'm 18 years old at this point. And I'm like, you guys, I booked this job. And my mom was like, oh, what do te tiene que ir? So she literally packed my bags for me. And I was like, what? I can? Because I'm thinking, like, you're not even letting me leave for an education, <laughs> but for a job. And to be on TV, she was like, oh, mija, you got to go. So <laughs> she literally packed my bags. And I went to Miami. And that was my story and how I got on the roof after auditioning, I mean, that audition was like crazy. It was like 500 people. It was more like a cattle call than an actual proper um, breakdown of an audition that you get. And that was the first time that I just, it was my, my training ground for real, because I was going to college in Long Island for a semester and a half and while I was still auditioning. So when I booked the roof, I had to leave college. So it was a, a couple of things. It was leaving college, and having to leave New York to then go do this job. So imagine trying to tell my parents this. And the fact that she 
was so and they were so supportive um it was the first time i ever saw my brothers like cry over me i was like oh you guys actually care that i'm leaving okay so i packed up i left and i started hosting this show called the roof and that was my first time on tv on mundos um when nbc and telemundo merged they really wanted to come out and um have this network that would cater to latinas and latinos that grew up in this country in Spanish speaking households but themselves were influenced by all things pop culture and american you know lifestyle and all these things that they would see and you know being in america and speaking back to their parents in english so we were very much spanglish and the show was i thought it was pretty trailblazing in the sense that we were the ones that were mixing pop culture and mainstream um music along with reggaeton and back then i feel like it was just on the cusp of when reggaeton was about to be really really big as far as mainstream reggaeton is still huge and it was big back then but i feel like you know how it is they called it like the latin wave or whatever it was back then well fun fact julie um i was one of those like 500 people in there i no just- way you were i didn't know this about you gabby <laughs> Yes, I I did. I remember going and they had you doing all these things on camera. Um, but I'm glad you got it cuz you killed it, girl. Oh, thank you. So wow, you actually so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like how yes. crazy that process was. It was very very crazy. Yeah, I I always wanted to. I mean, I did radio and stuff like that. But when I saw that, it really immediately spoke to me because like you said, there wasn't going to be a there had never been a show or anything that really truly represented us Latinos living in the US that consumed mm-hmm. both worlds, like general market and Latino like Latin music. So, and I remember it was with Frankie Nito. Yes. It was, a, it was such a vibe. Yeah. And the thing that I feel like the roof did a really good job at balancing was figuring out how to cater to latinos from all over in the US because let's be honest latinos in the northeast are very different than latinos in the southeast are very different than latinos in texas than latinos on the west coast and i feel like the roof i don't know they had this like formula the way the show was produced to be able to i mean we had you know people and hosts man on the street hosting out in um on the west coast so i think that was a really good element that made it also connect so so i feel like we just figured out a way to balance this thing that we can all relate to which i think is really hard and and that's why i always say you know when it comes to people that don't understand how what the difference between a Dominican is, a Puerto Rican, a Cuban, a um, you know, a Salvadorian or someone from Honduras, Mexico, Colombian, Venezuela, you know, all these different Latin American countries like I understand why the average person doesn't know how to differentiate because it's we as Latinos we within our own culture like we have different things and we speak and have different slang from different areas and origins of where we're from so i feel like the roof that was something that i'll never forget how special we were able to capture um and it's and it's still hard i think these days for even hollywood to really figure that out absolutely true so you actually went from a very iconic show the roof to another super iconic show 106 and park on bet And you still represented for Latinos there. So tell us about your time at 106 and Park and how you landed that. 
<laughs> Thanks. So 106 in Park is actually a really crazy story too, because I, so I was doing the roof in Miami and as new as I was, I mean, in the business, the term is called green, as green as I was, not really knowing as much, I knew enough to where when it was time for my contract to be renegotiated for the roof, they were throwing like a crazy amount of years that they wanted to lock me down and, um, you know, things that I was like, I don't know if this seems right. So I ended up while I was in while I was doing the roof and in Miami, they had opened up an agency called William Morris that now has merged with Endeavor. So now they're um, Endeavor and I remember they were opening up an office in Miami and they wanted to take a meeting with me. So then I ended up at William Morris, which is like a big deal. And I had no idea. Uh, like I literally went to an event. This, the, the head of the agency gave me his card and I was like, okay, cool. This is fine. I never called them, nothing. And they like tracked me down and they're like, gosh, why are you so hard to get a hold of? I was like, oh, I've just been working, you know, literally not knowing the, magnitude of a William Morris agent trying to get your attention and have you um, be represented by the agency. So I learned that pretty quickly. Um, and they looked over my contract and they were like, yeah, you cannot sign this. So I thought, oh, well, this was fun. So I moved back to New York. And while I was in New York, um, and while right before I went back to New York, I was in Miami still doing the roof. And I ended up shooting a campaign for back in the day. I don't know if you guys remember the brand Echo Red. Yes, yes. of course. <laughs> so Mark Echo, Echo Red, I shot three seasons of the clothing um, campaign. And that actually came by way of Fat Joe. Fat Joe was the first person that I ever interviewed on the roof. And he was part of the campaign. And they were looking for one more person. And he was the one that co-signed me and told um, the people that were doing the campaign, they're like, yo, there's this girl. She's hosting a show out of Miami. It's pretty dope. I feel like you guys should like take a look at her. And then the next thing I know, I'm doing this campaign. So I will never forget that. So the campaign comes out, it's in all these magazines and in you know, Macy's, like life-size posters. So of course, um, I, my brothers who always had, um, would read Vibe magazine, they're like, yo, your ad is in, is in Vibe magazine. So, you know, my mom, of course, went and bought a hundred magazines. So my campaign in the magazine, it was next to an article that was highlighting free from 106 and Park. And in that article, it mentioned Stephen Hill, who was the VP of programming, the vice president of programming over at BET. And I was like, Stephen Hill, that's what I took away from the article. I was like, hmm, he needs to know who I am. So I called up my agent and I said, hey, do you think that I can meet this guy, Stephen Hill, over at BET? And they're like, okay, calm down, Tiger, relax. So, um, it just so happens that they were getting ready to do auditions and two weeks later they're like hey you know remember that person you wanted to meet you they're actually going to be auditioning um and looking for new hosts and i said bet i'm there so of course you know i got all ready i was like yeah big opportunity so i go you know again gabby go through all the rounds of auditioning <laughs> And I end up booking a job at BET to host a show called The Center, which was an after school hangout show about motivating 
um, college students and what you like, basically it was a hangout. It was, it would, it was based off of what it would be like if you were in college and it was the student center where everyone would meet and you would have conversations with your fellow students. We did that, but in a show version for BET. So it was in the afternoons and I would give advice on how to write a term paper. Mind you, I didn't even finish. I, I literally did a semester and a half of college. I, I barely wrote a term paper. So I'm giving all this advice. I'm interviewing guests. I'm like doing this whole thing. And, um, then I get a phone call because Penny McDonald, who's also an executive at BET, I was always, como yo jodía esta mujer, honestly, I thought I would get fired. I would always be like, hi, Penny. Hi, so when are you going to let me be on 106? And she's like, Julissa, calm down. Like, I always would go in her office after our production meetings and I'd go in there and be like, hi, Penny. She's like, Julissa, get out of my office. <laughs> And then one day she called me into her office and I'm like, dang, what did I do? I'm probably in trouble. So I get into Penny McDonald's office and she's like, okay, so as much as you've always been in my office today, um, I'm going to have you do some corresponding and backstage hosting for 106 and Park. So AJ and Free is going to be tossing to you in the audience and backstage. And I said, really? Oh my God. She's like, yeah. And one more thing. Um, Jennifer Lopez is the guest today. And I was like, what? <laughs> so imagine, it was like all the things that I've been like harassing Penny McDonald to let me do. She let me, she gave me the opportunity. And then long story short, um, while I was doing that, AJM Free left and literally de la noche a la mañana on a, from a Friday to the Monday, they're like, you, you go we need you to host 106 and park because AJ and free had left. And that's what ended up happening. I was never supposed to host that show. I ended up literally in the position because their main host had left so abruptly and didn't resign their contracts. And now it was Tigger and I that were the faces of 106 and park for about a year and a few months. Um, Cause that's all I had left in my contract. And I was, um, they were still doing a search for the, who the main hosts were going to be. So that kind of came out of nowhere. Julie, but, but you're saying I was never meant to host that show. I think you were exactly meant to host that show. Actually, it was (laughs) too many coincidences, right? (laughs) Yeah, I guess contract wise is what I'm referring to. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't like, that's not what I had gone in you know, to audition for whatever. It wasn't really like the plan, but it's crazy that you say that though, because I did have an agent at the time. Um, These agencies, you know, they kind of have a bunch of agents and my main agent. And then I had another agent because I was getting somebody out of LA now because I always had them represent me out of New York. So um, this agent that I had in LA you know, I'm thinking, wow, this big LA agent. So I was all excited about it. I said, okay, so I'm on BET now. So like, you know, can I start doing more stuff? Like I want to be able to, do I need a publicist now? And she's like, um, not just yet. Yeah, you're on BET, but you're not on the main show. Like you're not on the flagship show. You're, you're doing this after school show. And I was like, yeah, but still like people still watch. And she's like, yeah, Let's circle back when, um, you know, things and the momentum starts to build a little bit more. So then when I ended up on BET, it's 106 and Park, I'm like, okay, so now I'm on the main show. So she, like, she always kind of had like a runaround of an excuse. And I was like, okay, this 
clearly no one's gonna hustle for you as much as you're gonna hustle for yourself. And that was the, the takeaway from every time I would go so excitedly to her about the fact that I was like moving up in the ranks in the, in the network. And she kind of like would give me a run around or, you know, kind of shoot me down. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna have to figure this out on my own. Um, I have a question, Julie. Do you think it um do you think it had to do with the fact that you were Latina? I mean, she was a Latina agent, so I'm not sure, to be honest with you, which is also kind of the mind-blowing part. But I, I don't know if it was so much that. Uh, I really I think because again, being in Hollywood, you you have to remember, like, not knowing anything about the business. Yes, I went to performing arts high school and yes, I was auditioning, but this was a different kind of, and even with, with the roof, you know, because Mundos was a very much new network. Um, BET was like another level of how many households you were in. Um, I mean, it, from globally, you know, it was just a different network. It was a, it was through Viacom, which is the same um, company that had MTV and um, all these other networks on it. It was a bigger scale. So um, it was definitely, uh, it, it, was, it was going from being recognized here and there to then now people like, oh wait, aren't you Julissa? Like to this day, I literally could have won a Nobel Peace Prize and people will still say, Julissa from BET, right? And it's like, that's how big of an impact BET had on my career. To this yeah. day, I literally could save a kitten from a burning building and people would be like, oh my God, you're Julissa from BET, right? And, I, and I'd be like, yep, that's me. That's literally, and I didn't even spend as much time on that network, but it had, people resonate with BET in such a way, it was crazy. And it was also the first time that I feel like that I had so many Latinos saying like, yo, I'm so glad to see you on there. Cause I feel like people don't realize like how much we love hip hop culture, urban culture, whatever you want to call it, how much we love R&B, like how much Latinos were actually watching BET and I guess never really catered too so that was also that's, something that's interesting I, that's why i asked the latino part because there wasn't i was such a fan of bet as well like that after school i would come and you know the basement like yeah. that was like my thing i grew up on hip-hop so to see a, a latina representing in the black entertainment channel it was just like so 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 like awesome because like you said it represented us who love the culture and we're so inspired by it so I love that, you know, they gave me, they gave you like a really important, prominent role within the network without like limiting your limiting you for being Latina, you know, because yeah. technically they could have just been like, no, we need more like black representation per se. It's funny though, because if you ask some people, they didn't even realize that I was that I am Dominican or was Latina until I literally spoke and had back then my accent was. I've worked on it, but back then my accent was a lot stronger and people were like, oh, I just thought you were a light-skinned black girl or, or a mixed race, 
you know, black and white. They did biracial. They didn't know what I was until I would open my mouth and they're like, nah, she's Latina. <laughs> and they would hear, you know, the accent or hear me shout certain things out or like, I mean, I'm sure even just the excitement of, you know, interviewing Jennifer Lopez, they were probably like, oh yeah, yeah, she must be Latina. <laughs> so um, it was really interesting because to this day, like people will tell me like they didn't know um, until I opened my mouth and said something because I looked, I guess my look back then was, like I said, I looked more mixed race or biracial or just more ambiguous compared to the Latinas that actually were in the limelight, you know, even to this, you, you guys know it's not, yeah. I guess that's where the term Latinx has now derived from because, you know, the majority of Latinas that we always would see, whether it was growing up watching telenovelas, you know, Thalia, and, or even Salma Hayek, Sofia Vergara, even Jennifer Lopez, like, they always looked, they they, they always looked more, that, that was a certain type of what people thought, just everyone in general. Yeah, um, it was what they thought La Latina represented. Exactly, right. that's what every Latina looked like. And I didn't, I don't look like those women, so you can imagine people were like, oh, okay, it's not until I opened up my mouth and said something that they realized that I was Latina. And during your and time of, sorry, Gabby, go ahead. No, sorry. No, and I'm saying, and I know that you also gave way, because I know they were doing that whole um, host, um, they were looking for the host. And I remember it was like such a big deal because like people could actually submit their casting videos and mm-hmm. and with having another Latina from Roxy come and represent and she won the contest. So it was like I feel like you kind of paved that way for us in BT. So that's awesome. Oh thanks. I mean honestly you don't think about those things when you're doing it and then it's not it's it's literally not until people bring it up or mention it that you're like, oh I guess that was a moment in time, huh? Because you're just Honestly, girl, you're just going off of what can I do next? Like literally one goal then kind of breeds the next one and influences the one after. Yeah, new doors open. Yeah, you you literally don't think about like, I'm going to be a trailblazer. Right. At least I did it. I was just like, I just want to continue working and I love I love what I'm doing. And I can make a living doing this? Cool. Like, I just want to see how far I can go in this. So during that time, um, because you were there for a little while, what was your most memorable interview? And then what was like the most epic fail interview you've ever had? (laughs) I think that's a fun question. Yeah. um, I mean, most memorable, one of the most memorable for me is interviewing Mariah Carey or was interviewing Mariah Carey because I was such a big fan of hers. Um, so it's, yeah, it was definitely Mariah Carey. And I feel like she doesn't do, maybe back then she did, but I just feel like she doesn't really do that many interviews, period. Yeah, she recently did one with Oprah, which is really dope because it's about her book, her memoir. Um, yeah, that the one that she just, she just wrote, yes. And I felt like, wow, she was being very transparent and very candid. And I thought that was dope. So, yeah, Mariah Carey for sure. And then I don't know if it was a total fail, but um, I got I feel like I got Kanye before Kanye was Kanye people. Um, like he literally I was, it was live because 106 and Park, um, the majority of the shows were live. And I was reading the prompter 
And he just like completely cuts me off and is like, why they got you saying all this stuff? And then like literally went off on like a Kanye kind of rant. And this was back, back in like maybe 2006, 2005, 2006 when I was on. And um, I thought that that was, I was so embarrassed, but it is what it is. I tried to play it off. Uh, but you are so much more resilient because of that. Now you're prepared. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> live TV is not easy. Like, I mean, just hosting this. Yeah, like it's a little bit more like uh, casual on a podcast. But like on live TV, whoa, that's a lot of pressure. So props yeah, to- a lot of people, I mean, for that, that just started watching me when I first was on BET, they thought I just came out of nowhere. But people obviously that watched me prior to that on the roof they knew because the roof was live two hours every single day so that that kind of training the reason why I ended up leaving college when I booked the job was because I thought to myself this is about what I'm literally enrolled to learn I'm about to get firsthand experience and that you that's priceless so the things that I was taught and the things that I came away learning doing the roof is you can't teach that in a classroom. So I thought to myself, well, I'm going to, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to take this opportunity, you know, and go out there and do it. And then if God forbid it doesn't work out, I can just always come back to school. Like school is always going to be there. The opportunity's not. And that's why I'm not saying like leave school, drop out, but when an opportunity presents itself and it feels right in your soul and in your gut, you've got to go for it and see what, what happens. Cause you don't want to live with the what if of it all. I love that. I love that because our listeners are definitely probably going through some type of transition. Some, maybe they're trying to make some decisions with their lives. And uh, sometimes you just got to be ready to go when opportunities arise. And that's exactly what you did. Um, and just transitioning. I mean, I think, 106 and Park also opens a lot of doors to you in in the form of networking and meeting a lot of amazing people. And um, one of them being, I'm sure you're, you know, who's your best friend now, Adrian. I don't know when you met her, but then you transitioned into doing like a reality show with one of your best friends, which I think is like every girl's dream. Tell us about your time with the, the Empire Girls. I think that was such a fun show too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so Adrian and I, we met, just honestly being two Latinas in the business and always seeing each other at events and having that relatability of that. We were both from New York and we, she's um, also Latina and literally being able to talk about that in these events that we were at and we would speak Spanish because we're like, Oh, no one can understand what we're saying. So that, but then everybody all of a sudden now speaks Spanish everywhere. So we're like, damn, we got to come up with a new language. Um, (laughs) So that was how we bonded. We would literally see each other at events all the time. And we're like, you know what? We should just be friends at this point. And then we really became cool when um, she was starring opposite Sierra in this MTV movie. And they put me on as her cousin. And I was only supposed to do the role. It was like a day player role. So only one, one day of filming. Um, I was playing her cousin in the movie and she obviously was one of the um, stars of the movie. So she had a trailer. When you're a day player, they give you these trailers that are basically, um, you, they're split. So you, you have your own little room, 
but um, it's with other people next to you, you know? So it's, it's still private, but it's not your own big trailer. So she had her own trailer because obviously she was on the film set for a lot longer. Um, so she's like, girl, you better get up out that trailer in that room, just come hang out with me. So a lot of people, I don't know if they know this or not, but we'll be surprised how much, we, we, we say it's hurry up and wait. So you can be on set for hours and not shoot one thing or be on set and waiting for hours and then go and shoot, you know, for three hours and then that's it. But you still put in a 15 hour day because there's so many elements of whether you're in the scene or not or whatever they're shooting that day. So we had all this time and she's like, why are you in that trailer by yourself? Just come hang out with me. So we literally bonded so much hanging out in this trailer waiting for our scenes. And we talked about everything. We were like comparing our cellulite and like just life. I mean, we did it all. We were in this trailer, like two girls literally catching up and just bonded and became the best of friends over this experience. So then obviously we kept in touch and it snowballed into this idea that I had um, with the manager that I had at the time. And I thought, man, I would love to do a reality show that isn't um, ratchet necessarily. And that also can try and answer the question of, can you have it all? Because one thing about Adrian that she always admired is her sister that has this beautiful family. And we were thinking to ourselves, okay, we're just getting older and we're really hustling and wanting to accomplish all these career goals, but what are, what are our life goals? Can we really have it all? Can we have a family and this career and still make it work? So that was essentially the question that we were trying to answer while shooting Empire Girls. And we, we were very much aware of the opportunity to be two Latinas starring in a show that was on Style Network. And we didn't want people to not feel as if it was gonna be so narrow in the way we were shooting. And because we're two Latinas, I didn't want it to, we didn't want it to be stereotypical either. We didn't want it to be like, oh, because we're Latinas, we need to show the world, you know, only Latin things. We wanted the storylines to be relatable. And what's more relatable than trying to navigate through life when you have goals and ambitions, but then you also want to have a family and you're dating and all these things. So that was really what we wanted to do. We didn't want to be just, you know, two Latinas on there you know, eating um, rice and beans and being typical and like trying to be stereotypical because that's what, um, you know, mainstream middle America is going to understand. We were like, no, they're going to always resonate and understand something that feels real. And that is real, trying to navigate through your life. I love that, but I, I'm an arroz and habichuelas type of girl. I call it, I, I say arroz con frijoles. I'm Nicaraguan, so we eat it, and it's called gallo pinto. Yeah, I, I love gallo pinto. Yes? Yes, oh you guys make it different, too, because you make it, like, in a skillet. Yes. Yeah, girl, living in Miami, trust me, I know. Oh, what? you know about pintanga. <laughs> why yes, why I have pintanga. I never, I've never tried Nicaraguan food, Gabby. Child, you are missing out. Yo, this the way is how you guys possible. make your tamales are next level. Oh, yes. But we call them naka tamales. Oh. Yeah, naka tamales. That's right. Oh, 
Cooney, I love it that you know. They're like a big ass burrito. They're huge <laughs> and they're so good. Yes, with mm. pork. With pork. Yes. It's so good. It's so good. Gabby, um, you like, owe me. I yes, you need to eat some nakatamales. But you're absolutely right. I feel like uh, for like the new age Latinas like us that are like go-getters, I think Empire Girls totally like connected with us because we're like, you know, we're like professionals. I think during that time, you and Adrian were like about to turn 30. Yes. And, and so it was like, very relatable to all of us going through it, trying to figure out our life, our love life. I, I remember you were dating on it. How is that going, by the way? Uh, yeah, we were we just really wanted to show that we we're multi-dimensional. There's nothing wrong with being on there and eating, you know, tip, eating typical Latin food, but we wanted to just show that we were that we do that. Yes, of course, but we're also very much other things. So that's what I meant when I, you know, I don't want people to get this uh, message misconstrued. But I'm basically saying like we wanted to just show that we were very much relatable in all kinds of ways and not just put out stereotypical things that people want to see from yeah, and a Latin of, household. Yeah, and kind of label us differently than we really are. Yeah, um, but dating, honestly, I've had really good luck during quarantine. I like reconnected with someone that I hadn't seen in forever and even forgot how we met. <laughs> And it's been going really well. I mean, I'm, you know, knock on wood, see, yo quiera, we'll see. Oh, I'm so happy for you because the Thanks. struggle is real, honey. Very. Alex is married, but we always talk about my dating life, which is non-existent. But I needed to get oh, it. No. Yeah, I need to get it together because quarantine just messed it up for me. But I think people have been thriving in, in pandemic life, love. So I need to get with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you haven't had anybody from your past, you know, circle around. <laughs> Maybe. Like, hey, girl. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the ones we want to resurface yeah. again. Yeah, we have to be careful yeah. with that. We got to keep them in the back. Yeah. So, um, Julie, yeah, you're married, Alex. So how yeah. has quarantine been for you? Because I'm sure. You know what? the most time you've ever spent together. Uh, you, okay. So usually I want to kill him. But during quarantine, <laughs> it hasn't been as bad as one would think it would be like being in the same house with the same person 24 7 it's actually been better for our relationship and I think it's because I'm home more and before I was always working and traveling and I was never home I was never present and this has given us a chance to actually get to know each other in a very different level and it's been really great for our relationship I also just had a baby nine months ago so my quarantine started a little bit earlier and it just hasn't finished so far yeah congratulations thank you thank you oh my god but tell us about hunters I mean I think that's another exciting um you know gig that you got in and now you're finally going into like acting so um congratulations on that yeah, and, and Julissa, so you, the, the character that you play, Maria, you're a nurse, and, and it, you're you're also a lesbian, a nurse, and it's is it based in the 70s? Yeah, 1977. So what do you want people to take away from the character that you're playing? So Hunters, I mean, what I would love for people to take away is, a more respect than ever for essential workers i mean i only got to play an essential worker so all the love and respect to all of the real nurses out there but what i want people to take away especially because of the time period that hunters takes place in and being um 
a lesbian in that time period was very, very, very different than nowadays. Um, and I think I just want people to take away more love, you know, the message that I feel like 2020 really needs to be ingrained in people's minds and all the judgments and all the things that people put like all this hate towards doesn't make any sense. And also um, Maria was so different than Millie, who was my partner in the show. Maria really wanted to be free in, in showing off the relationship as, as opposed to Millie, who, was, who wasn't comfortable with it, didn't want her family to know about us, so that's where the, the conflict, some of the conflict was coming in, in our relationship on, on screen. So I think the takeaway is really, you, you have to live your most authentic life and you only get one and live it, display it, show people that you're human and no matter what, your choices are, who you choose to love, it doesn't matter. And I think that was really Maria's way of thinking. And that was her, kind of her goal. She was like, I don't want you to just love me behind closed doors. I want you to love me no matter where we go. And I think that's that was a really important message. So hopefully it translated. Um, I also did have people messaging me about, you know, one of the scenes in, in the show. And they were like, thank you for, you know, trying to capture it as real as possible. And that is obviously as an actress, you, you want that as an actor, you just want people to feel like you're doing the role. It's justice and relatable and in, in, in it while you're doing it. So, yeah, I mean, what a show. I literally put myself on tape for that. I, I auditioned and sent in my tape, didn't hear anything. And the next thing I know, when my agent called me back, they're like, yeah, we got an offer. I'm like, okay, so um, who else am I up against? They're like, no, 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 you got the role. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. Cause I thought it was like myself and you know, it always gets narrowed down to, it's like you and like three other contenders, three other people they're thinking about, three other actors. So I was like pleasantly surprised. And then when I got on set and they told me that they were actually looking for their Maria for a while, I was like, oh, well, don't gas me up now because I might <laughs> really get back into acting. <laughs> That's so exciting. I feel like you're living out your dream. And this is like everyone's dream, you know, that's listening. It's like, how do we turn our passions into the things that we do on a daily basis into our dream job, you know? And so that's why we really wanted you on the podcast, Julissa, because you're inspirational. You are, you know, it also is very realistic because it took time. Like a lot of people think that things happen overnight, that all of a sudden you're on TV, just, you know, like you've been working at it for a long time. And I just wanted to ask you, like, what would Julissa then tell Julissa now? Like, what have you, like, how you have evolved so much. And, you know, I feel like she'd be proud of herself. Absolutely. I mean, what I would tell myself is don't take the nose so hard on yourself because you're going to get a million and one nose and 
that one no that you think is the end all be all is not. Um, that yes is around the corner. You have no idea. It's funny because I was I was down to the wire. It was like myself and two other actresses for this role on a soap opera and I didn't book it. And then I ended up booking Hunters. So it's like, you never know what's around the corner. You never know. I always say you never know who's watching. And the thing that, and the reason why I say that is because I literally would not have the opportunity to be hosting Central Ave right now if it wasn't for you never know who's watching and just always showing up. You gotta show up. The days that you don't want to, the days that you feel like, oh, I just don't have it in me, figure it out and show up. Our showrunner and executive producer, Monique Chanel, who is an amazing woman, is along with Will Packer, who are the ones that created Central Lab, I had no idea they even knew I existed. So for them to even say, yeah, we've been watching what you've been doing for a minute, it's like, really? You never know who is watching. You never know. And nowadays, the luxury of social media, it's a two, it's a double-ended coin, you know, two-sided coin, I should say. Because to your point, Gabby, of you know, where people think it happens overnight or um, you know, it's instant because we're living in an instant world, Instagram, um, social media world, you actually can use that to your advantage because I didn't have that, you know, I came before social media and every time, like right when I became the host of 106 in Park, still like, so Instagram wasn't even really, the, it wasn't even out yet. So like, I kind of missed the wave on each thing of social media. So I didn't even get to piggyback off of that. You know what I mean? Um, so it, with social media, you actually have a way bigger advantage because, and YouTube and all these platforms that did not exist back when I started, because trust and believe if you're a singer now and you go viral, next thing you know, you have a record label knocking on your door back then that that's, doesn't happen. That wasn't the case. So just show up, do your best and do it with the right intentions for you and everything else will come later. You can't do it for the fame. You can't do it for the money. You can't do it for all the glitz and the glamor and the things that you think that you will make your life so much better. No, you have to do it because you truly love it and you have the passion for whatever it is that you want the world to see that makes you so unique and different and all these things. So I think I would just give myself that advice of like, keep going, show up, do your best, be kind, don't burn bridges because you might have to walk through them again one day. And yeah, that's what I would say. I couldn't agree more. Always show up. That's also like a reoccurring theme that everybody talks about um, on our podcast. All of our guests have been saying, and it's it's so, so true. Now, speaking of you never know who's watching, um, you're, you have a lot of like uh, beauty, re you do beauty reviews, which we yeah. love. You have amazing skin. And oh, you've you. recently partnered with Makeup Forever, right? Makeup Forever was one of the first campaigns that I actually felt as if um, as a beauty influencer, they like co-signed me because my social media, first of all, 
official Jaleesa B. Ain't nothing official about it. It's just that I couldn't get my name. <laughs> like, I joined so much later. It was really Adrian, too, that was like, girl, you need to get on Instagram. We take pictures together, and I can't even tag you. And I'm like, I right, but I'm already on Twitter. Like, what yeah. more do people need to know? Everybody's so nosy these days. And I love Twitter. So this day, it's still one of my favorite platforms. And then I finally joined Instagram, and somebody had taken Jaleesa B. So I had to add official in front of it. And another friend of mine, see, this is the thing. You have to like have a network of women around you or people around you, whether they are female or male, that are also empowering because one of my good friends, she's so good at marketing. She's so good at what she does. Um, she's a product and interior designer. Her name is Nikki Chu. She was like, Julie, if you want to be seen as a beauty influencer, then you got to literally curate your feed so that people can see you in that light. And before, I kind of just had Instagram to put up random pictures and it was like, no one cares about, unfortunately, this is, it's, it's sad to say, but like, no one cares about your tia, no one cares about your cute nephew, no one cares about, like, they just don't, if that's not part of what your, your brand is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just had a bunch of random pictures and I had to really curate and start being more aware of the content that I was putting out there. Cause if I wanted to have beauty brands and, and the attention of beauty brands look at my feed and follow me, I needed to just start cranking out as much beauty content as possible. So that's really where that came from. And then when I caught the attention of makeup forever and they wanted me in the campaign, I was like, Oh, this is working. And then of course you just continue to, you know, go hard and that's how that came about because at first I was kind of just throwing up pictures without any level of thinking. Any strategic, right? Strategic. It wasn't strategic. <laughs> yeah. No, it I wasn't strategic. I was actually just telling Gabby right before we jumped on this call how Makeup Forever is actually one of my favorite brands because I feel like, and this is before diversity was a thing or like mm -hmm. people were trying to make it a thing in brands. They had the most um, shades of colors. Yes. And they were so they, there was so much diversity from the very beginning. So yep. I was so happy to read that you work with them because it really represents diversity to the fullest, to the max. And from the very beginning, it's not like they were jumping on the bandwagon like everybody else has. But no, they, what are they've been, yeah? They've been they they're they've they're been around like, forever. The brand is was um, originated and 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 started by a makeup artist. So they. It's like they they know that at the core, makeup artists they have, their kit a makeup artist's kit is beyond diverse because you never know they never know what they're gonna need exactly. So now that you do all these beauty reviews and everything and all these videos, can you share your top two beauty secrets with us? Whether it's like lashes or anything, getting ready in the morning or before you go to sleep or going out, anything. I mean, I feel like I, I say this pretty often, but it just, it's never going to get old. And that is making sure that you take off your makeup, no matter how tired, drunk, whatever. Damn it, Julissa. You have to take your makeup off. That's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> you have to. It's so important. I do what's called double cleansing. So I love cleansing balms, um, cleansing oils. I like to break down. I feel like nothing breaks down makeup better than an oil or a cleansing balm. Something that really is Wait, literally breaking down what, makeup. What's a cleansing balm? So a cleansing balm essentially is basically a solid 
kind oh. of it's a it can be a gel but it's solid and you scoop it out most of the times and then you put it on your face and it melts the on while you the more you rub it it just starts melting on your skin and melts along all the oils and all the things in the makeup I've never heard of this and I need to get it. Where do I get this? I need it. Um, I like, there's one by Clinique that's really good. It's uh-huh. called Take the Day Off. Okay. Um, it's really good. So they have an oil and, and the cleansing balm. And then um, Glow Recipe has a really nice one. It's, it feels like a sorbet on your face, actually. It's the papaya enzyme cleansing balm. It's mm-hmm. really good. You know what I was, that, that I've always been curious about and maybe you can teach me. You know those um, makeup removing like towels that are reusable? Do you know what I'm talking? They're like these mittens and then you just add water oh, yeah. to it. Are like those makeup eraser. Yes. Are those good to do? Are they okay for your skin? Aren't they too harsh? No, some of them could be actually, some of them are really, really soft because they're made out of a terry cloth. Mm. Okay. And they actually work pretty well. Um, what I would recommend is to make sure you wash mm. them really well because it could be, uh, it could, you know, whatever you don't wash is always going to have, there's a big chance of bacteria growing. So you don't want that. You just want to make sure you wash it. Yeah. As soon as you're done washing your face, you want to wash it on its own as well. Okay. And then one last question about beauty. What's your favorite mascara? My favorite mascara? Yeah. But give me like something like um, simple for people to get, like like a drugstore type of mascara. Oh, okay. If you're going to talk drugstore, yeah. then I would say the L'Oreal Voluminous. Um, oh, that's the one I use. I love it. Yeah, the, it's like yeah. gray, right? The gray yes. one? Yeah. That's the gold top. That's like OG, a great one. Yeah. I also like the CoverGirl Lash Blast. It was like one of the first ones that ever came out with a with a rubber wand. I don't. I don't and know. I, yeah, okay, I have to look orange, at that one. Yeah, it's an orange um, tube. But yeah, and then another product. I mean, one product that I always and right now Sephora is actually having a sale. They're doing their um, depending on what tier you are. So if you're like your Sephora VIP, VIP Rouge. Yeah, you get like twenty yeah. percent off, and it, you know all the other ones you get fifteen and then ten. But right now, it actually I think it started yesterday. Um, but a product that I always I mean one of my favorites, and this is another one I always recommend, and I'm just like Sunday Riley, y'all need to work with me already. <laughs> so Sunday Riley, uh, they have a product called Good Jeans, um, G E N E S. Okay. It is a serum. And it's got lactic acid in it. And it's one of my absolute highly recommended products because the lactic acid naturally exfoliates the dead skin and retexturizes your skin while you sleep. You don't even need a lot. You can also use it as a mask. Um, If you have large pores, I feel like it's great. If you have texture issues that you want to correct, I think it's one of the best products out there and and they've reformulated i think a couple times and the original original one i mean so so good and sephora sells it in what's called their power duo so you get the luna oil that's got a really good retinol oil Mm -hmm. and the good jeans but it's a retinol oil that's still calming enough on your skin because it's got this ingredient called blue tansy which is really calming on your skin and then you've got the good jeans with the um with the 
retinol and um, lactic, lactic acid. acid. Yeah. So Sunday Riley, good jeans. I like it because yes. it has my daughter's name. So of course I'm yes. going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, guys, this is amazing. I feel like I need to do a Sephora haul with uh, Julissa one day because we are all trying to keep our skin very, very hydrated, beautiful because, you know, we're going into another decade that we we want to still look young. Yes. Yeah, and now with mask me, mask me is a thing. What's that? What is that? Oh, from the computer? No, mask me, like getting acne from wearing a mask. Oh. oh, I didn't even know it was a thing. Me neither. Yeah. yeah your chin, your nose. Mask me. Think about it. You're literally, especially if you wear makeup, you're now breathing and covering that area in your face. I didn't even, that didn't even dawn on me. Good, probably because I don't really leave my house. <laughs> but when you do. Yeah, yeah. Julissa, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. You are absolute joy. Everything that we, we knew you were. Thank you for your time and for telling us your story. I think everyone's going to be very inspired by it. Thank you, ladies. I love what you're doing. This podcast is awesome. Continue to motivate. I mean, I'm like, I listen and I say, oh my gosh, those are, these are gems. You guys are dropping gems. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> we have one of your girls on it, Martha. I know you're very close with Martha. Yes. Did I talk more than Martha? Because Martha's quite loquacious. I, <laughs> I think her episode was a little bit longer, but you, you guys are up there. You guys are up there. <laughs> but we loved her too. So we yes. I love Martha. Friends. I love yes. her so much. I actually was just hanging out with her last weekend because she was in Atlanta. She has oh, her tell her we say hi and that we send her our love. And thank you again for doing this. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Till next time, have a great day. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh.